Hey guys, we just want you to know that we're always on the lookout for uh, really cool guests. Anybody who has a wild story, who's willing to tell it, and who happens to be in Israel. So if you guys have any ideas, feel free to shoot them our way. You can uh, comment or post on our Facebook page or send us a private message on Facebook. We'd be happy to hear. Thanks. I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. You've heard it before, the fact that the Jewish religion has survived in exile for more than 2,000 years is nothing less than a miracle. And really, if you think about it, what are the odds that such an odd religion would persist, especially amidst the multi-billion strong titans of Christianity and Islam? But somehow it did. For generations upon generations, people said the same prayers in an ancient language they often didn't even understand. They followed the laws of a god they had never seen, and kept secluded in their communities with one mission in mind, to survive and keep Judaism whole. But in retrospect, a rift was inevitable. And indeed, it came in the 17th century, shaking the Jewish world to its foundations. Shabtai Tzvi was born in 1626, and from a young age, he was fascinated by the secrets of Jewish mysticism. When he was 22, he declared himself the Messiah. The huge cultic movement that he created in the years to come is considered one of the biggest ruptures in Jewish history. Dr. Alexander Vanderhaven, a scholar of religion in the Ben Gurion University in the Negev Desert, his new book, Sarah the Ashkenazi, the Queen of the Sabbatians, is depicting the fascinating story of Shabbatai Tzvi's wife. We're super thrilled to have him here and talk about the Sabbatians and his new book. This podcast is made in collaboration with the Jewish Journal. I guess we should start at the beginning. Who, yeah. who is Shabtai Tzvi? We know nothing. Yeah. You know nothing. You just described him pretty well. Well, that's all from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wikipedia I mean, we've all heard the name. Don't tell this to anybody, but Wikipedia is a pretty good source. <laughs> because he wrote it. I didn't know. Oh, okay. I didn't. <laughs> Shabtai Tzvi did. <laughs> Shabtai Tzvi wrote his own entry, as many people <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> okay, so who who is Shabtai Tzvi? So, so you describe it well. So he was a Turkish Jew uh, who started, he was a yeshiva dropout, who started to uh, dabble in, in, in Kabbalah. He probably had a form of mental illness, uh, manic depression which is really compatible with religious uh, things, yeah? <laughs> Ecstasy and, 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 and despondence. How do we know that, that he had this? He describes it himself and others also, that he is high and low. Actually, one of, the, one of his moments was that uh, he was so depressed that he was going to a uh, famous rabbi in the Gaza Strip. It wasn't the Gaza Strip yet. There was no fence around it yet. Um, it was Gaza. It was Gaza. So Nathan of, of Gaza. Uh, he was very famous for healing people and he went to Nathan of Gaza to be healed of his troubles. Mm. The only problem was that Nathan of Gaza said, no worries, you are the Messiah, you're fine. So, so, so the fun <laughs> continued. Worst shrink ever. The worst shrink ever. Or yes. best shrink. <laughs> the best shrink. Correct, you're Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then basically, uh, this was right before... Uh, um, the big movement started so instead of curing uh he got high again and 
not that long after he declared himself the Messiah, Nathan became the, the movement's prophet. He was the Messiah. And most scholars also forget that there was another person involved, and that was his third wife. Uh, the first two marriages didn't work out after mm -hmm. he failed to perform his, his duties on the wedding night. Um, so this was his third wife, and it's, it's almost until he died. She died two years before him. Um, so then they started this, this huge messianic movement. He declared himself Messiah, and people fell for it. So Wait, you said a lot of interesting things. First of all, it originated with this. It actually originated with this psychologist in Gaza who told him, Yes. He was a, a healer. A healer. Yeah, he was a rabbi who, who claimed he could, could know, he knew about the previous lives of other people. So he was kind of like a miraculous doctor, yeah. which is very normal. Like you had like this like religious entrepreneurs who had uh, had a reputation. Yeah. So he went to be cured of his suffering. Okay. And, he, and so he told him, yes, you're the Messiah. And then you said that he wasn't able to perform on his first two wedding nights, meaning we know that yes, he had some kind of... Yes, this is actually before. Yeah. So... so he got married, as a yeah. good Jewish boy should do, and then nothing happened. So I, I don't know who initiated the, the divorce, but you should divorce. So he got divorced, and this also happened in the second case. So he got divorced because he didn't perform. Like he Meaning didn't. he couldn't have sex? No, or he didn't want to have sex. He didn't want to have there, sex. There's convincing arguments that, that, that at least Nathan uh, was... His lover. Love or, or at least gay. If I use the word gay for about historical sources, it sounds so anachronistic. <laughs> but but yeah. and also Shabtai Tzvi. Uh, he so, was part of the ancient LGBTQ community. <laughs> but the point was like you couldn't you couldn't be. So this is all yeah. hidden. But this is kind of so the ideal option is, option is that he was asexual or that he was gay. And of course, because we know that human beings tend to be sexual, so. The second is more likely, and people have argued that there's ho lots of homoeroticism in Nathan of Gaza's writings about chapter 3, so... But again, I want to take us back, because mm -hmm. what kind of a Jewish world did Shabtai Tzvi born into in the first place? What kind of Jewish world? Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, what, what, what's the playground in which he, he came to be? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Smyrna, Izmir, uh, an Italian, uh, uh, a Greek city, a uh, Greek-Turkish city in Western Turkey today, um, where lived a lot of, he was actually, I think, Ashkenazi, with a lot of Sephardic Jews who descended from those who had been kicked out of Spain. So, and this is important, you have here a cultural trauma of being being kicked out of a increasingly wonderful country because the more like you also see it in folklore of the period like there's all kinds of stories about spain with castles and princesses and stuff so you have have this 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 culture of this cultural memory of of a great jewish trauma um at the same time you also have and this is at the same time as chapter three in the mid mid 17th century you have a huge massacre one of the biggest between between uh uh, in Ukraine. In Ukraine, yes. So this was horrendous. So you also have the news of this coming in to, to the Turkish Empire. So so people freak out. Freak out, and of course they want the Redeemer. So you have already like Messianism. The material for Messianism is there. But their their uh, situation under Ottoman rule is relatively it's very good. quiet. Yes, okay. yes, yeah. 
in those days it was much better to live under Muslim rule than under under Christian rule. And the Ottomans, that that's what they said about the, the the Turkish Sultan. He didn't understand why the Spanish kicked out the Jews. So like, come over here. He's you know, <laughs> like, they're we, great. Yeah, go join join us. You know, they're hilarious. Like U.S. universities. The, the, all the all the <laughs> Jews uh, escaping from the Nazis. Come, we need some smart people. So yeah. the Turkish Sultan said the same. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so Shabtai Tzvi goes to this uh, healer in Gaza. He gets told that he's the Messiah. He comes no, back. No, but but wait, no, I think you got it wrong, man. Okay. Sorry, but no, I read the Wikipedia ahead. here go thoroughly, ahead. and he thought he was the Messiah before. Yes. Much before. Mm-hmm. But you can get over it. There have been messiahs in history. There was this Native American messiah of the, of the, of the ghost dance who retired. Yeah, so like things didn't go right. He predicted uh, we were wearing white shirts that deflect bullets and, and the white man can do nothing to us. And then a huge massacre happened. And he had point, like, okay, I'm not the messiah anymore. Like he lived for like 20 years afterward on, on a, in a Christian missionary station. So Shabtai Tzvi believed he was the Messiah at some point, but he... Why? Why? Wh- how? Why? What made him believe that? We don't know. Good question. We don't know. We don't know, no. So, but he... Okay, so he believed that before, but he was going to this healer in order to heal himself. Yeah. Meaning, he did feel like... He believed it, but he had so, uh, some doubt. The point, like, you, you, can, you can have experience that you believe you're the Messiah, and then you can become desperate again, you believe you're not the Messiah. So it's not something that... Uh, I've talked to Messiahs in Jerusalem, I know. You know? <laughs> like, some are very persistent, but you can also... You're talking at, to I, two of them now. Uh, <laughs> that's very good. You should do a po- podcast about speak, yourself. Speak for yourself, <laughs> man. Okay. He's just a prophet. You're a Messiah. <laughs> you're my prophet. <laughs> okay. Can be two of us. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so he, so he believed that he thought he was going to this healer to get healed. So he had did have some doubt, but then this healer. Well, doubt that he was suffering. It's 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 also those people who claim that the Messiah are usually not the happiest people. There's this deep desire to for redemption. I don't think a normal happy person becomes convinced that he or she is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean? Uh, uh, uh... Uh, um, a desire for redemption, for personal redemption. Of course, yeah. If if you're, like, this is what's interesting also about mental illnesses. There's also these fantasies of of being healing, of being healed, of being cured. Being the Messiah is a pretty nice way of of becoming cured. Your fantasy of 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 redeeming Jews or the world or whatever, mm-hmm. of course, also includes yourself. Mm-hmm. I see. So the, the the two fit perfectly well. So what happens then? What happens then, uh, a huge movement breaks out. So, after, uh, very soon... When does he... Sorry, I, sorry to interrupt. I just want to get the moment. When yeah. does he come out and stand on, you know, the the in the city center on the fountain or whatever and say, yeah. hey guys, I'm the Messiah. When does that happen? Somewhere in late 1664 or 1665. I'm bad at dates. In mm-hmm. the English version of my book, I even got the wedding date wrong, <laughs> which is horrible. She will never that. forgive me. That's why I had to make a Hebrew translation of the book. <laughs> is that an anticlimactic moment? Like, does he get up and he yells, and then you zoom out, and it's just people walking around? And the the nobody... point is, so so the prophet also starts to do propaganda. So people they send out he sends out letters. People come to him. So for some reason, so it was the right time, the right place, the right person, the right prophet, uh, and I'm also saying the right wife. Um, it, it responds to, to deep desires of Jewish communities everywhere. So, so Jewish communities all over Europe, 
in the Middle East become divided into two groups. Those who are convinced he's the Messiah and those who are not. And they're really good at persecuting each other as well. So so when one group gets the upper hand, the other one gets persecuted and the other way around. What so, do you mean by persecuted? Um, Gerem bans... Um, to beating up in synagogue, uh, everything. People are being kicked out of synagogue. People have to escape through to attics and jump from roofs. Not are there to instances be, be... Of, uh, of murder, of killing? I don't remember that anybody was killed, but people were beaten up and people yeah. were almost killed. I see. Um, okay, so, so there's this huge... Ri- how many people does he manage over you know the first few years like how what's the what's the amount of people that believe that join this cult and how does it grow over time number it reminds me of bob they asked bob dylan how many um protest singers are there at the moment he was like i forgot the number like 42 (laughs) 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 so i don't know i don't have any statistics on 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 the amount of jews in in uh, but but it he was a huge movement. So it's about half of 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 the communities. Some communities were immune. Others were going for him. And important communities, like for instance Amsterdam and Hamburg, they were like two of the most important uh, communities in 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 uh, Europe. And people were many people were going for him. So m- like more or less, it was split down the middle. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's crazy because yeah. also it's such a failure of the jew of judaism as a religion why you're waiting for messiah somebody says i'm the messiah i don't see the failure there it's it's that's the thing it's so easy to you know the loophole is so easy to jump into yeah in that maybe it's a failure that they didn't all believe him Ah, good point good point if everybody would have believed in him everything would have been fine it's so hard to grasp how he did that. this, how he did it. But this is about any messianic movement. So if you have, have somebody who declares he or she is the messiah or whatever, and people go after this person, it's always fascinating. You see it everywhere. You also see it in Israel and in, in the media. Like somebody dis- declares usually it's himself, a healer, and people sell everything. Yeah, like King Bibi. King Bibi, yeah, who also has a <laughs> wife behind him who's named Sarah and might have some influence. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some but he doesn't claim to be the Messiah. He thinks his biographer, which we had him here, Anshul Pfeffer, says that he does uh, believe he was born um, to, to, to protect the Jewish people. Yeah. That's different than... It's, you know, it's more... I, I think... It is a kind of a messiah. So we, now we have this kind of very clean notion of a Jewish messiah as to something with magical stuff. But in the past, somebody who saves the Jewish people, King Cyrus, Persian king, was a messiah in the Bible. Yeah, something like a, a Jew saver, basically. Yeah. So, so, it, so, But I think if you ask any, any uh, uh, high-profile politician through time or at least you know the presidents the heads of state you ask any of them they'll say i believe i was born to serve my country you think so yeah i think so Bibi doesn't I say he was born to say he he thinks he was born to serve s- my country serve my nation I it's think not to service to save us from annihilation mm, to redeem us to redeem us and to save us the from redeemer. annihilation um never mind anyway back from to his the point political yeah as well. so so uh, 
okay, so he's now the Messiah. He thinks he's the Messiah. What does he do as the Messiah? So first of all, as a Messiah, and I think one of the, the models is, is also Jesus. So, um, and it's also part of a Jewish tradition, the, the abolition of certain, certain things in the Halakha. For instance, and this is, makes a lot of sense, the mourning on the ninth of Av of the destruction of the temples. The Messiah has come, so he turns it into a feast. Yeah, so he has this new, uh, new rules, new regulations. So he ah. does all kinds of things that are perceived by others as as transgressions. Of, yeah. of uh, he allows women to to participate in in uh, rituals that w wasn't allowed before. Really, so he it does really all desecrates. kinds of. The religion while he's at it, kind of. And this is this is the whole discussion um, that and and more and more because the great biographer of 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 chapter three, Gershom Sholem, he all the time talks about this like this transgression as a fundamental part of the movement, and and lately people have been more actually looking at chapter three himself, and they've been they've been arguing very convincingly that he felt he had this personal relationship to God. So if God says you have to do this now, you do it. So you're not bound to halachic rules. It's not that you need to transgress them, but they're of a second order. And of course, like there's this revolutionary potential in this. Mm -hmm. yeah, so of course you end up, because God doesn't say, well, next Shabbat you should observe the Shabbat, because then there's nothing interesting about it. So yeah. of course there's going to be forms of transgression and is there any is there any evidence to show that he went from at one point manic depressive to i don't know uh paranoid schizophrenic or i mean was he hearing voices what, what, one mental illness is not enough <laughs> so he, he was offering hovering between despondency and for instance um part of the story i don't know if you want to build this up uh, chronologically but one of the very soon part of the scenario is kind of like build up by the prophet is that he's going to take the 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 not the crown the turban of the so the terminology is difficult because if you take the turban you're converting so he's going to take the rule of the turkish sultan so he goes to constantinople and of course this doesn't happen and he's getting arrested so <laughs> yeah. there's all this like expectations and he's very high he's going to the sultan he's going to do this and then at some point he becomes depressed again and he's kind of like he disappoints everybody so it, it, it keep, keeps on happening that he suddenly disappears and he's very high again so what i'm saying you said he he uh if god tells you to do something was he telling people i'm talking to god I'm There's a few letters of him that basically show how he felt was his relationship with God. Because this is so interesting. Before, so we still are kind of stuck to this famous biography by Gershom Sholem, and he which wrote, was written when? It was written in 1957 when we didn't know these letters of chapter three yet. So oh, really, how come? Somebody else found them afterwards, and he he tried to deal with it. So, so in '57 he publishes this this two volume uh, uh, doesn't matter like this 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 uh, uh, biography, and in '73 he publishes a translation into English mm -hmm. with in which he tries to deal with new sources. This is one of them, and he doesn't know how to deal with this. That oh. we have letters of chapter three that appear to be representing a different theology than that from the prophet of the movement nathan of gaza yeah so until and what does so it we mean? so so what does it mean that the 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 chapter three we know 
is the chapter 3 of Gershom Shalom, and it's a chapter 3 according to the prophet. It's like Christianity. Mm -hmm. Our The Jesus that we have is the Jesus of the Apostle Paul. Yeah, he basically says, okay, this guy was this and this, and we have a few things that we think might be what, what Jesus was say, saying, but we get him channeled by the Apostle Paul, says this is what he meant. Hmm. Yeah. So until now we had Nathan of Gaza saying this is what chapter 3 is about. And in, the la in recent years, people have been starting to say, well, actually there's difference between the two. Hmm. And chapter 3 believed he had this close connection to God, so he can do whatever he wants. And what, la sorry, but it's just interesting. What language did he communicate in? Just chapter 3, Turkish, Hebrew? I think his first language was Ladino. Ladino. Yeah. But he wrote in Hebrew too? I actually don't know what language the, uh, the letters are. I, I'm, I expect they are in Hebrew. Is there a story behind these letters? Because it's fascinating that so out of all of a sudden... I know they're published by Amarillo, but I don't know enough about them. Okay. Yeah. And okay, so he the, starts. Yeah. R quick question, just to straighten things out. Nathan of Gaza is the healer. He's the he healer, to? the prophet of okay, the movement, and the lover. He's the prophet <laughs> of the movement, meaning, he, meaning Shabtai They teamed up kind of, and he was yeah, like the Robin, and exactly. Shabtai was the Batman. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> now everything makes sense. Okay. So. Oh, actually, maybe. At some point, maybe even like he wanted to be the Batman in Chapter 3, the Robin. So it's, it's a really interesting, because she also tried to, when she said Chapter 3 converted to Islam, and Nathan didn't. didn't. So there's also this... this wait, 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 wait. Shabtai Tzvi converted to Islam. Yeah, well, actually, we should... <laughs> yeah, we should finish the biography. I just want to say that I think Nathan is, is Alfred, maybe. Is Alfred okay? You know, okay. okay. That, that's that's important. important. But can we get back to this? What the hell? He converted. I, I don't understand. Yeah, for most people, this was a bit of a disappointment. So, so <laughs> I can imagine he goes to Constantinople uh, with the expectation of everybody, and and so imagine like this has been uh, prepared to all kinds of prophecies. So everywhere there were also prophets prophesying, of course, the glorious victory of. So he goes to Constantinople. He's arrested. And actually, he's treated really well. So this really doesn't dim anything. Midnight Express is not representative to us. No, but at some point, he is uh, summoned to the Sultan. Uh, this is in Adrianople. And he is told to convert to Islam. Or well, actually, he can choose, of course. Yeah, you know, the other option. Death. Death. So... He chooses to convert to Islam. What a pussy. Sorry. Jesus. Is that not PC? But, 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 <laughs> but, but, but he bullshitted his way out. Or they, they found a way out. So, so for most people, this was too much. Yeah, so you have certain expectations of the Messiah. There's some flexibility in how to deal with it. So I, I met Messiahs who were talking about the internet. That you couldn't talk about in predictions because it wasn't there yet. But this was kind of like, this is for many people... A bit too much to cope with. So it, it's so anticlimactic. I don't know. I like it. It's you like nice, this ending yeah. to anticlimactic? Is like his head is cut off and that's it. Yeah, so that, that's boring. That's kind of the traditional way. Most of these people ended up dead. Right. Like in in the time of Jesus, you had like a number of other people who like took fifty thousand people. They brought them to the Jordan to split the River Jordan, and then you know they were all killed, and that was the end of the movement. Yeah, and Christianity made something nice about it. So it would have been like a second kind of Christianity. Mm -hmm. He was killed, but then this was actually a redemptive event or something. But you know, we have something new to work with. Right. You should be excited about this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so he, he converts to Islam. 
And then you get all kinds of... So many people leave. Um, Nathan of Gaza starts to develop a theology that actually his conversion is a form of... And, and we shouldn't go in there, but it has to do with Kabbalah. That he enters the realm of evil to redeem us all. So it's, it's almost some the kind of... The realm of evil being, being Islam. Being Islam, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, he starts to sell it as some kind of... Um, redemptive self-sacrifice and also as a form of deception. Yeah, so he, he acts as if he's converting to Islam, but he doesn't. And there's something to it because after his conversion, he keeps on uh, performing all kinds of Jewish rites. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was conversion under coercion. It wasn't like he conversion all under coercion. The problem, however, and that's also stuff that came out more recently, um, Shabtai Tzvi himself in a letter to his brother, doesn't argue that he was forced. And of course, you know, it can be like, well, I wasn't forced, I chose it myself. Yeah? <laughs> but what if he really said, well, this actually was something that was supposed to happen because I'm the Messiah. And then you get all kinds of very interesting stuff about different religions, conversions. So, so the argument is made that actually he believed that Judaism had been hollowed out and God moved on to another religion. But this is not a traditional story and and also not socially. So socially, after that, you have like many people leave the movement. The movement collapses as a big mass movement. But then you have lots of people who remain believers. And this is not a small group, but they kind of go on the ground. Wait, so sorry, I just want to... The mass movement kind of dies out after Yes. Okay, that makes sense. But many people go underground. And and we keep on discovering more and more people. And I shall not mention names because people who are religious might get really upset that one of the great minds of the 18th century was a Sabbatean. Ibeschutz. Ibeschutz? He was a great rabbi. Who is it? He was a great rabbi of the 18th century. And apparently he was a Sabbatean. Which movement? Ibershoot, Jonathan Ibershoot. There's a big controversy about him. Yeah. He belongs to a specific movement. If, if you talk to somebody orthodox, like, wow, he's a great guy. Yeah. And so it goes underground. So, so they start to play also with conversion. So some people start to say, you have to convert on purpose. Others say, well, chapter 3 converted, we shouldn't convert. Nathan was one of them. Um, not long after the death of chapter 3, a whole group of Jews in uh, Thessaloniki converted to Islam. And they started a tradition that still exists today in Turkey. You have the, the Dunme, who still argue that uh, they pray to Shabtai Tzvi as the Messiah, but they're Muslims on the outside. Really? And they play with this game of, of, of Muslim on the outside. And really interesting, lately, they, it's, that's my impression, yeah? that they start to say, actually, I might be Jewish. But before it was like, I'm not Jew, I'm not Muslim. I'm kind of like nothing. Did you meet it's these amazing. people? Yeah, I'm actually I'm 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 working. I, I started to work on with somebody who is from the Dunme who is making a document documentary about herself, her mother, and her daughter. It it, wow. it it's a group that's slowly disappearing. More I think because of generational difference. That just a new generation is leaving, and there's a uh, in Turkey the 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 Dunme are kind of like the Jews of Nazi Germany. The secular accused the. The, the 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 religious of being Dunme 
And the religious accused the secular of being dunmas. So basically, like it's a secret, really like Nazi Germany, like a secret group that tries to slowly take over power. But they still exist. It's but they're, they're it's in incredible smaller the, and smaller uh, number. It's incredible the ripples that one man's like cognitive dissonance will have. Because I guess he, you know, was forced to convert to Islam, but at the same time he believed he was the Messiah. So he had to kind of make this work. He was like in his mind, Bridge he was like, gap. "Well, I have to. I'm the Messiah, but I had to convert to Islam." So the but Messiah must. But the, the, there must have been something more to it. There must have, must have been something deeply attractive to it, because I can imagine that okay, you're a follower and you're you're disappointed, so you leave. But maybe there was something also very attractive in this whole game of converting and not converting. Yeah, yeah we, we're followers. talking about we're, we're in the age of conversion, also people converting all the time, in all kinds of directions. So there might really be something to conversion as a, as a form of a next step too. Yeah, if you're after redemption, any kind of radical change yeah. is 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 especially. There's attractive. always something rebellious in 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 the messianic movement. Yeah, okay, well, let's do exactly the same, and that's that's going to be fine. You need to be something doing something dramatic. Yeah, I want to get to talk about the book a little bit, but just another question about today: Are there people who are streak Sabbatians without Islamic uh, tendencies? They will not tell you. Are there though? I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm, I, I expect there are, but I don't know. I mean, can't it? Uh, on the same note, how is that possible? And I always think about this as Chabad. I mean, if the Messiah came, are we living in post-Messiah times? Aren't the dead supposed to rise? Like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not totally uh, um, uh, up to date on all the. Uh, all the beliefs, but mm -hmm. isn't that the truth? Isn't that aren't the dead no, supposed to arise? So, so you have certain expectations, and then something happens which is not entirely expected, which is death, and then you get immediately. You also sort of Lubavitch Rebbe. Get immediately, you get responses. Oh, he's going another to, cult. Uh, another, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm yeah, not allowed obviously. to use the word in my profession. Judaism's a cult. Christianity's a cult. Yeah, well, everything's a cult. But also in his case, so people say like after three day, days he's coming back, and and actually he's still there. Or so he's there's here. always yeah, a, it's really like if failure is really not failure, yeah. So so you can always find a way to like Christianity is the big so his death, you know, to the outside guy claimed he's the Messiah. Romans uh, Romans executed him. That's the end. No, his death was the, it becomes the actually. He turns it around. It becomes a great redemptive event. It's the power of belief. Exactly. So same thing with with the conversion of chapter three. The most what you're you're saying the most horrible thing you know the most anticlimactic. So you know switch it around. Like politicians are doing the same. Take your weakest point and sell it as the the, the biggest point. Right. Yeah. So it it it's wow. it's really good marketing. Yeah. And, and of course, and it 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 responds to the desire of to continue to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that people don't want reality. Reality is it's undesired. So you speculate that there's might be people in the world in the world who are strict Shabtai Tzvi followers, but so, we wouldn't know about so, them. That's so the movement fascinating. The movement <laughs> the movement died out in the nineteenth century, maybe a bit later. Yeah. Because um, you had a, another great movement in, in the 18th century, the Frankist movement. They were very exciting too. They converted all to Christianity, they did all kinds of very interesting stuff. The Frankists? The Frankists. So Jacob Frank. Okay. 
he 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 at some point joined one of the the the, the groups in Saloniki, but then he couldn't get a position that he deserved uh, deserved so he started his own thing mm-hmm. so he became basically the ashkenazi <laughs> polish german branch and he started his own group and at some point he declared his daughter to be uh, you know the one uh, and 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 so that was that group ended at the beginning of the 19th century and then there was still some sabbateens and and it kind of petered out but it wouldn't surprise me that so we have all we have access to their writings. Um, heresy is one of the most. It's like the pornography of religion. You know, it's it's attractive. So it really wouldn't surprise me. And and so they def- also developed this really intricate theology, different theologies. So it wouldn't surprise me if people are attracted to. Uh, you should do some secret research in in the Orthodox community, for instance, if there's some Sabbateans. Interesting. Hmm. So why Sarah? Why Sarah? And who was she? She was. She came from a very different world. So she actually came from the other trauma, the European trauma. She was born in in Poland. I estimated around 1640. Lately, I'm thinking she might have been born a bit early. Um, the first time we meet her is in Amsterdam as a refugee from 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 Poland. And there she claims that uh, during the massacre she was separated from her father and was taken in by a monastery, a nunnery. And there she grew up. And then at the age, I forgot exactly which age, I think at some point later version she raises the age because she becomes more of a woman. At some point she becomes more of a sexual object and now she's a girl who grew up in, in, in a nunnery. At some point her father appears, to her dead father, in the meantime he has died, uh, appears to her in um, in the middle of the night and he takes her far away to a Jewish community and he puts her on the cemetery there and he says like you are going to marry the Messiah and the Jews here will help you um, go and first you should go actually to Amsterdam you have a brother there Samuel who she was Jewish help you yes okay at least that's what we think Okay. Yeah, I expect uh, it would surprise me if she's not, but she made up stories. Okay. Yeah? This story might have been true, but I suspect there's some uh, fantasy in there. I'm not the most religious person, so it okay. might not have happened. Okay. So um, she arrives in Amsterdam with this story. So I have to imagine, like, so the the city is flooded with with refugees from Poland, who are semi welcomed. So the rich Portuguese community spends a lot of money on them, but part of the money is also by shipping people on to other places. And suddenly this woman comes, and she even has on her arm the marks of her father's hands to show the the nightly journey to the cemetery far away. So she tells this story. She tells also people she's destined to marry the Messiah. And many years later, people still remember her story they still she saw apparently she was able to make a real impression with the miraculous story so she was able to stand out as a refugee from the many other refugees i even found and i didn't put it in this book but i found somewhere in the financial records that a certain sarah from poland exactly the year that she arrived got 10 guilders and i'm sure it's her I can't prove it, but she was able to convince people. I'm I'm not That's just so a cool. refugee. Yeah, I'm 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 the. We now also live in a world where everybody, where there's so many refugees, and you know, like you need to have a better story than somebody else. Yeah, yeah. It's a matter of life and death. 
Maar het is een matter of life and death. Ja, yeah, absoluut. So her story was I'm the future Messiah's wife. Yes. She, she really catered to the audience. So I, I read her story as perhaps not true, but as a story that she felt the audience wanted to hear. Yeah, and Mirak is taken in by a monastery, so the Christian sin, and then escape miraculously, and then like making her way to Amsterdam, and of course, like saying also, I have a brother here, which is really good. And she found somebody with that name, Samuel, and she started to live with him. I still want to know what really, we, we'll never know, but I, I'm convinced they were not really brother and sister, that she was able to convince somebody who also came from the massacres many years before that they were siblings mm-hmm. what a crazy woman <laughs> successful so she she so she has this, these claims at some point she does leave holland we don't know exactly when and she surfaces in italy and there her story changes a little bit first of all there's all these rumors that she is sleeping with whatever moves around yeah so this is rumors of of her prostituting herself um her story also slightly changes so her brother in amsterdam disappears and also the 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 convent in which she was raised disappears and instead she um is taken forcibly by a very rich woman and she grows up in the family and of course it's very beautiful so at some point the woman wants her to marry her son who's not a Jew. And then her father comes in the middle of the night and saves her. So the story changes a little bit. She becomes the sexual Sarah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere, so she's in several places in Italy. She's in Venice, in Mantua, in, in, in Livorno, in Leghorn. And at some point, and, and she's also, also something else new surfaces in Italy, is she has gifts like Nathan of Gaza has. They're, they're very com- competitive uh, competitors so she can read people's past lives she can people reach people's future and she's able to convince some important people that what she says is true yeah so not only like she's claiming things and people think she's nuts i'm sure some people thought she was crazy but she's able to convince some people so she she's good she keeps on claiming that she's going to marry the messiah and in later versions that oh the only we only have the later version she claims and his name is chapter three i assume that this was added later but that's just pure speculation um and uh at some point she is shipped or she is moving to cairo mm-hmm. and there she marries the messiah So, so somebody who has been saying for 10 years, and maybe longer because the first source is Amsterdam, uh, where, where an opponent of the movement meets her in 1655 and he talks about the crazy girl who's going to claim she's marrying the Messiah. So within 10 years, within a decade, she makes her prophecy true. She marries the Messiah. How did they meet? I guess it's a siddur. Why did he come to Cairo? He was sent as an emissary from from the the uh, Jerusalem community, I think. So well, I mean, they must have heard of each other. Yeah. yeah. There's some crazy woman running around yelling, and people are, know I'm marrying the Messiah. And then there's some crazy guy running around hey, saying, I'm the Messiah. It. <laughs> it's like, well, you guys should if, probably if, meet if each Nate, other. If, Na- <laughs> if Nathan wasn't such a jealous, jealous person, I would have suspected him. Yeah? This is really good PR. And maybe, actually, it might be because... One, and, and this is not what I found, but other people uh, made this argument uh, that Shabtai at some point said that he was going to marry 
uh, Gomer, who is a prostitute in, 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 uh, uh, in the book of Hosea. Hosea is going to marry a prostitute. And he's basically, and the prostitute is Israel, and he's going to redeem her. But one of the re- part of the redeeming is not sleeping with her. So it might be that he was like, oh, I can marry and not sleep with her. You know, I don't have to have sex with a woman. <laughs> and so maybe, I don't know, maybe Nathan was into the picture and he miscalculated because the woman was not somebody to mess with. And so, so it was just like a really match made in heaven. Maybe they yeah. met on Tinder. You know? yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and this, uh, it, Messiah, who doesn't like sex with women, uh, uh, is looking for a fallen woman who has messianic aspirations. And well, that's, there's there's a bunch of those. Select, 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 and then one match comes yeah. out. And uh, and they had no children. They had one son. Uh, really? Much later, when did he was he born? Um, a number of years later. Um, but we don't know. He disappeared. Uh, from I, I don't know if they did any DNA testing uh, mm. in the Misrata, in ah, the Ministry right. of Interior Affairs, she kept affairs of, of Jerusalem. She um, kept practicing. So, so also, which is interesting, at some point they, they publicly uh, declared that they had sex. And this is not right after the, the, the wedding. And they, have, and they had added evidence to show it, which I think is like the, the classical thing is like a blooded sheet. No, that's the classical way of showing, you know. Yeah, and she wasn't even virgin. So even so, I don't know. They 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 said we we consummate, consummated our marriage. Then also within the was movement, that was that normal in that time to like publicly announce the fact that apparently you had sex? in this case, um, I don't know, but in this case it was kind of necessary. Yeah, because the, the guy had failed twice, and, and okay, the, yeah, the audience say, wanted. Yeah, sounds he's like a celeb, he's a classic yeah. gay man trying to hide it. Saying, exactly. Look, I yeah. Had sex. Yeah. And but the others say basically that they much later consummated. So this was kind of for the outside world, and others said like it happened actually much later. Mm-hmm. At some point, a, a son is born, Ishmael, which means after the conversion. Mm. Yeah. Um, so. We don't know if they they had sex. That's there's certain things you cannot find out as a as a historian. You just gotta find that sheet. <laughs> we can find a sheet and the, and the DNA <laughs> testing, um, because one of the things is what happened at the core that you start to have um, sexual activities that used to be forbidden before, and this is of course one of the, the the kinky things of the of the movement, but also of the interesting things. So Shabbatai three receives into his private chambers his two former ex-wives, uh, which you're not supposed to do to meet with uh, a woman alone. Um, he also has claimed to have had sex with virgins without deflowering them. Impressive. <laughs> Only a messiah can do that. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, also Sarah was receiving, and this is of course like more interesting, she was also receiving men into her chambers. And there's one case of one person escaping there from there in panic. And apparently he wasn't aware that what he was supposed to, or the, the reason he was uh, brought there. And then uh, it was said that chapter 3, told him like you could have done a great tikkun so it was considered as a religious uh religious deed to have sex with the messiah's wife so it's really interesting there were and and there's many more there's there's some literature i don't know that 
promises on the outside that there were many more uh, things going on there, sexual things going on there. Wow. Basically so, the first polyamoric couple. Yeah. <laughs> probably, not, probably not the first. But this becomes a tradition because you have later that the Frankists have this, this, this ritual of, of, they call it uh, um, extinguishing the candles, which is something great. <laughs> yeah, so make it into a movie. Uh, and they really have sexual rituals um, and, and of course, like you have the opponents who say they always have sexual rituals, but it really seems that they had sexual rituals that you, for instance, offer your wife to somebody else or at some point they really had orgies. So, and the, wow. these were, these were religious rituals. They were not just, we're doing it because even though we're not supposed to do it, but we're doing it because it's, it's a ritual. Act. Well, why not? I mean... You know, all you, all you have to point. do is say it. You're, you're, you're easily convinced. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, all you have to do okay, is say it's it. Ritual. It's <laughs> like, yeah, let's, let's, let's just call this a ritual. The, the Messiah says it's fine. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Wait, so I got to ask you, you, I'm, you can't, I mean, you must, like, while researching this, you must read about these people and think these are a bunch, bunch of nut jobs. No. I don't know. I I live in suburbia, so I'm 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 terribly bored. So so, <laughs> so I need these people. Okay. I, I like I I also I did research once about the Jerusalem syndrome and talking to these people, uh, somehow I I understand them much better than somebody who's like I want to have a bigger car and and I'm really upset that I didn't get this promotion and and my flat screen TV is not. People go for redemption and crazy stuff. They make sense to me. So. That's interesting. No, it's it's really I'm I'm actually I'm really jealous with them because I I I have a hard time when somebody talks to me I, I'm it's for me hard to become convinced, but these people they're going for stuff like I I have a deep appreciation for them so I I don't say they're crazy mm-hmm. it helps if you're crazy but but and also throughout history like we looking at, we are looking at the outside uh, from the outside at this movement we think it's crazy, but you know if people look at the outside from from you know what we are doing, like religious beliefs. It always sounds really. You know, there's this guy called Moses climbs up a mountain, talks to God, comes back, all all kinds of rules. Who believes that nonsense? Yeah. And then you have like three monotheistic traditions built on that that argument. On crazy. So so it's craziness that you get used to, and then yeah. you start also start to make sense of because this is what happened with chapter three. So his conversion to Islam is it's a crazy thing, but then you start to make it into not crazy. Hmm. And in a sense, the craziness also helps it. You need, we need this somehow. Well, that conversation blew my mind. <laughs> so interesting. Interesting, yeah. So interesting. So the book is available in English. It is. But you need to fill out a form. It's hard to find, yes. So it is available, but it's hard to find. It so was published in English. The English uh, with with the wrong marriage date, so so keep it in mind. Uh, <laughs> they were actually married on the thirty first and not on the thirteenth uh, of March. Uh, the, okay. the, the letters got switched. Okay. Um, it's it's it was published by the Manasseh Institute uh, in in Amsterdam, and they, you can fill out a form there and. Uh, so and we'll post the it. link. That that makes that it form. easy. And you have other books in English available. Not about chapter three, but about anybody. We're, I, I we're can, plugging I, you. Right ah, you're, you're marketing. I can. You can put my academia.edu okay. site, and there's all the nonsense I've been r- written uh, over the last years. Uh, 
Jerusalem syndrome, messiahs, messiah, wives of messiahs, cousins of messiahs. So much Sounds fun. It's, it's maybe older. maybe we'll do a, an episode one day about the Jerusalem syndrome. You should. You should. And but then you should not invite an expert. Uh, you should invite someone. Someone Can who and, an actual and once they once they should use them, more they're willing to talk. Yeah. So you might have a great. It might be hard to have control of the conversation. It's fine. <laughs> but but uh, that's well, actually an interesting idea. Interesting. Yeah, we might we might do that. So before we go, we uh, have a collaboration with the Jewish Journal, um, JewishJournal dot com. They uh, it's a news site out in L.A. Uh, do Jewish news and news in general. So check them out, guys. JewishJournal dot com. Right. They also have a podcast. No, oh, they do with David Suisa. Yep. The, the David Suisa show, right? Yep. I think yeah yeah so check, check it out. out um and also we uh, accept donations since we do this on our spare time we have no food no <laughs> drinks we're starving we're starving no, but if you guys want to help us out guys i had to out. bring them food to to, yeah, to be able true. to survive it's true here. we basically when we bring guests we tell them bring food <laughs> byob um <laughs> so yeah so if you can go to 2njb.com slash donate and uh, well donate something we would really appreciate it guys so thank you and you know we're always on twitter and on facebook so uh, you can write to us and tell us what you think and also please go to itunes and subscribe and subscribe and rate us please it's extremely important otherwise the, 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 the itunes gods will <laughs> we'll smite bench. us so okay. thank you thank you so much Alex thank you, thank you. it was fascinating it really was bye bye guys bye